Hello, everyone. Um, this is your back for week two with You Know What I Mean podcast. And this week we have Neil on the podcast. Say hi, Neil. Hey, everyone. <laughs> um, today we have planned that we're going to be talking about two separate topics that Neil is very passionate about. Um, one being gentrification, yes. which he actually wrote a um, research paper on last year. Mm-hmm. And then the other being Indian culture, which is his culture. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know, like, is that, like, rude to call it kind of a passion? No, no, definitely. I just think it's interesting I, anyway. It's, it, if anything, it's, like, it's like pride in my culture and, like, getting right. to talk about it. Like, yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. I think about it. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start off with talking about gentrification. And, um, Nia, do you want to kind of explain, like, what it is? Sure. So, in essence, gentrification is a phenomenon by which people in, like, low-income, traditionally urban neighborhoods um, that have been, like, marginalized and, like, almost forgotten by, like, the public and private sector um, are now being invested in or um, settled in by people who are of higher income mm-hmm. that over pro- over time like the more and more people of like the higher income people that enter those areas actually make it too expensive for those who were living there before oh interesting yeah and therefore those people are displaced because they no longer can live in those areas as they become too expensive mm-hmm. um the okay so like do you want to kind of talk about like your background with it or yeah absolutely like you know, when it came time to start thinking about, like, the topics that we wanted to go forward in research, I wanted to look for something I was passionate about, and at the time, I was visiting family in D.C., which is, like, a frequent occurrence for me. Like, I go there almost once a year. Which is a frequent occurrence. Not not to (laughs) flex or anything, but I go to see D.C., like, every year. No, but, like, it was just eye-opening to me when I had to share, like, that my interest in uh, gentrification to my uncle, and he explained that his where they lived in dc the washington heights neighborhood had for a long time been a traditionally black uh traditionally lower income neighborhood Hmm. and it's well in in the city Mm -hmm. um and that he and my like my uncle my aunt my cousins um were living in a neighborhood within uh within a housing district within that neighborhood that was higher income Hmm. and were actually like the gentrifiers (laughs) of that neighborhood they were the high income people that were contributing to the displacement of the people who had always lived in Washington Heights. Oh, interesting. Yeah. When um actually um I was I uh interned for Chicago Public Schools over the summer and we um were driving through Chinatown um and out of Chinatown and um the lady that I was in the car with was explaining how she was like, see this street? And I was like, yeah, she's like, this street is being completely gentrified. Um, Mm -hmm. it used to be a, um, Latinx neighborhood and Mm -hmm. now it is like being completely gentrified and like ruining the lives. And, um, because, because they are unable to afford it anymore, they have nowhere else to go. And it's almost, um, and it's, it's like a cyclical issue, if Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. And do I just kind of talk about like, like, so why why is gentrification so bad? Like, what are the exact right. effects? Like, historically, America has gone through periods of, like, urbanization and suburbanization. Mm-hmm. And um, with the end of World War II, there was this massive movement to the development of suburbs outside of the city. Oh, like and white flight. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly white flight. And um, 
there there's some debate about like whether it was like racially motivated whether it was economically motivated or whether it was just simply like you desired to live in like a house of four mm-hmm. in the burbs but regardless yeah no that's oh. like it's really like, we it's, really know that neil's <laughs> from the burbs by like, him saying what, that what i call it the burbs <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely burbs born and bred, but <laughs> it's, yeah, but the, um, but like, we're going through a period now and have been since maybe like the mm-hmm. 80s of like re-urbanization and those uh, neighborhoods that have, you know, that were originally left in white flight are mm-hmm. now being returned to and in the process of returning to them, they're, as we talked about, like being displaced. Yeah. Do you think that there's like, um, with the literal logistics of white flight, I don't know mm-hmm. if this is even a... like an intellectual question or not but like like... do you think that there's a way in which because we were in ap environmental science together and uh, we learned about white flight in that class and in u.s history but also Mm -hmm. do you think that um transportation plays a role like if if you were to if there was an immediate like obviously there is public transit but like if there was a very very convenient public transit from the suburbs to the city do you think that there would be as drastic of a difference that's so fast you know the funniest part is like i literally had uh it was on some standardized test whether it was a practice of the like the (laughs) test itself like in the moment but like it was a passage about like how like it was more environmental analysis but like how like transportation is like a big factor into like whether people live in like in the suburbs and versus the city and like because we're we're talking we were talking about it in environmental science yeah, because of yeah, we because of um the idea of like convenience and lowering carbon emissions right. and all of those things but also there is an aspect to it that is with um like if we're going to be talking about like they're moving out of the city for the suburbs and like mm. that is their community now if that community becomes more fluid between the city and the suburbs do you think that there's a better chance at less um gentrification and therefore somewhat less um like uh uh what is it called <laughs> like divide de- yeah, yeah like of a divide. no i definitely see what you're saying it does and like in terms of like where like your goal is to maintain those communities that have been there forever and to prevent like new people coming in necessarily like it does achieve that but like and you we already talked about it and acknowledged that like how those like that heightened technology to allow people to get to transport to the city fast enough that they won't have to necessarily mm-hmm. live in the city right. has that trade off of like and the environmental effects of like um increased carbon emissions yeah. because of you know the reliance on tra- public transportation to get to places which is less so probably than like individualized transportation mm-hmm. but like nonetheless just because of the expanse of the suburbs yeah but i think you hit like you definitely hit the nail on like how that probably would lead to like maintaining communities mm-hmm. which is like i mean you probably know all about that with like like what you saw in chinatown yeah i just think it's super interesting because there's a way to like um um what is it called what did um our teacher say it was like an ethnic um, like neighborhood or subsection and like mm-hmm. and um with like there is such a I feel like almost like a responsibility or like a love towards like trying to maintain right. those communities because those communities are there because of their culture you know what right. I mean like it is it is a huge um like opportunity for for like um maintaining like a like very different very diverse and beautiful cultures right but in the same way like how can like is it offensive to move into that community? Right. And yeah, that's like, it, it almost seems like it's a generational trend 
like like you know all this nostalgia we feel towards like uh eras like the 90s and 80s which are periods of like urbanization kind of like mm-hmm almost in a way for almost like a lack of a better word fetishize like yeah. urban culture to a point where like we get to this line of like is that cultural appropriation or is that just a hipster you know oh, wow, and like yeah. and and like you know like whether you're drinking your kombucha in you know like the middle of the city versus like the neighborhood like for some reason like when you go to the city there are so many more consequences of your actions to like participate in urban culture yeah. to the point where like we it's displacement and you know the biggest... but i don't want to sound like we're like complaining like yeah there's so many like you know it's not it's not, it's just we're just it's it's interesting to think about you know it what is. it what is the line because obviously it's not right. like we want to cross it you know right i mean it like at least for me like you like it's those people like those communities always end up being like always end up being the victim like, um, I yeah. feel like their settlement into the neighborhood, like, for instance, I, t- like, mentioned Washington Heights, like, Washington Heights was, like, traditionally, like, Dominican, and, like, there were some Ethiopian populations that moved in later, um, in the later 20th century that, like, that's, like, those are the communities mm-hmm. that we're talking about, and if you think about those communities in the scope of, like, you know, world history, those people have fallen victim to so many things that it's almost ironic that even in a place as America, like, where you think of it as more colorful, that, um, yeah that they still fall victim. Yeah. When I so when I think of gentrification, the first thing I think of is Brooklyn. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's it's a topic for many comedians. <laughs> it's a topic in the news. Um do you think that why why do you think it's such a such a like like on brand topic for right. gentrification? It's almost like going back to like that generational trend of like wanting to go like experience urban culture. But, like, Brooklyn almost has, not to say that they've done it right, but, like, there is something beautiful about, like, how diverse Brooklyn's become. I don't know. I don't, like, because there is, like, I feel like diversity is not the same thing as the diverse harmony, like, Mm. if that makes sense. So, like, just because it's diverse does not mean that it had, it had so many losses to get there and doesn't mean that it's, like, it's diverse in the fact that it's like successfully diverse you know what I mean and so like I mean I think at the core of gentrification is the idea of you know the local restaurants the family names and stuff like that and so if you like when you lose those Mm -hmm. or at least when it is being replaced by a different culture that just because you're adding diversity even if it's like like white diversity Mm -hmm. does not make it like a positive impact that's true yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's like total there there's like um in, there's like a moment in unbreakable kibby schmidt where the <laughs> landlord like yells at like a young couple like just walking in brooklyn about how they're uh gentrifying the neighborhood but like like i i know what you mean yeah i know exactly what you mean and it's effect it's affecting like so so many families like so many people and it's not just the yeah. idea it's not like there is a there being white myself like mm-hmm. they're there it's funny to joke about like because like i'm the butt of the joke mm-hmm. but it's not something to joke about right in general you know what i mean because yeah. there's so many um like socioeconomical ramifications yeah. yeah like it's it's insane how much people are unaware about it and like you know like seeing it like that issue within my own like that issue kind of like 
be in the control of someone in my own family that yeah. like, lives like that was like a sobering experience for me and like at, like we were just at you know we both are participating in like a debate club where someone used the word ghetto like yeah. people don't understand necessarily that that's that's an offensive term yeah and um yeah and it's really interesting the different perspectives especially living in suburbia because mm-hmm. there are people who have like in the span of our high school years mm-hmm. like came from the, like the city and stuff like that mm-hmm. and so just like the difference of perspectives versus people who have grown up here and their right. parents have grown up here you know it's it's extremely like it's extremely segregated and separated um absolutely there uh i remember the um uh do you want to talk about like your laying paper a little bit sure and yeah my laying paper uh, encompassed or language a, and composition. Yeah, his yeah. Research paper from last year. Yeah, our our school is notorious for trying to abbreviate everything. Every, every single class, like, uh, honors pre calc is HPC. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's just us trying to be cool. Oh but. yeah, for sure. Got no time to say the whole thing. No, um, no, of course but not. My paper encompassed like a lot of these ideas, and like, whereas like in this context, I can share some personal anecdotes. Like, it through the research of my Lang paper or you know the that mm-hmm. paper. I had to look for anecdotes that were just embedded in the research and like hearing the stories of people um, who have lived these experiences are insane because Mm -hmm. like you can see it in your own life uh, where you get caught up in like routine and it feels comfortable. Yeah. And that's like that's your happiness that like that routine. So an entire routine disrupted by something like that you can't control is, like, just tragic. And I know it's, like, it's honestly some of the most basic understandings of, like, life that people have, but Mm -hmm. I still, it's still, when you see it in, like, someone else's story, it's just so much, so much more sad. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's, like, that experience of writing that paper is what really highlighted that for me. It was just learning other experiences. Yeah. Um, So I think we're going to move on to um Indian culture. <laughs> I'm I really I, I've really gotten down the segues everybody <laughs> like they're really good right now but um so uh so I liked I wanted to talk about Indian culture with you because yeah. I think that you really appreciate it mm-hmm. even though you haven't necessarily been completely immersed in it like your entire life yeah um and then not only that but you're interested in like the controversies or the like conflicts within it so if you just kind of want to talk about your background a little bit yeah no yeah you said it perfectly like i i've been raised in a household where like to give you guys context like my mom um moved here with her family in the late 60s and um that was when she was three years old for the so for the majority of her upbringing she was cult she experienced american culture to the point where she herself today is quite clearly um american in culture and like um her perspectives of life whereas my dad um only came here for his college and uh education so the majority of his upbringing was in india so growing up uh in a household of both of those perspectives kind of let me and you it, can t- and you can tell like if yeah. you were to go it's, you can tell kind of like the the synthesis of those two different oh, perspectives yeah. even though it's the same culture oh yeah like i've been in so many contexts of just um the term is often like desi which is just referring to like uh south asian people like in non-south asian countries and like in all desi settings like i stick out like a th- 
like a sore thumb. Yeah. And in all non-desi settings, I still feel like I stick out, but you know, oh, other, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 been an experience, but it's also given me like a nice point of objectivity. I think yeah. on some things. I mean, that's like the um, the whole idea. We read the namesake, and that's the whole idea yeah. of like um, Eastern civilization and Western civilization, like yeah. the like the the complete combination of it and what like America means mm-hmm. or what America is at least supposed to mean like in a beautiful way mm-hmm. and yet in a very like like struggling like perspective as well because right. in order for you to be able to like morph two identities you're gonna have to lose at least some part of each oh yeah and like stories like um the namesake and like written by other by like Jumbo Lahiri yeah and authors that like voice the Asian American experience like, there's always that trend of, like, so much inflection in those novels because, like, in a lot of ways it is, like, a individualized, like, identity, um, ish, like, Crisis. difficulty. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, um, you know, like, and even then, like, the namesake does something that, like, ever since I read it, I, like, make sure to do, and that's that Jampa Lahiri identifies herself and her characters as Bengali, which, for those of you that don't know, is, like, an ethnic group or cultural group, um, in India of which there are many and I belong to um people who are Maharashtrian or Marathi which geographically is um on the west and quite frankly like there are cultural differences within the different regions mm-hmm. of of India and like yeah, yeah. even then like the Desi people or like the Indians that are in non-western countries like th- the difference in um not only like the geographic area that they came from but even socioeconomic class or given like the you know the casteism caste systems yeah, relative yeah. presence in India there's even like classism that still permeates like how they see people like function and like interact like what do you mean by that do you have any examples like, like there have been contexts where like I can speak from like my experience of like um it's <laughs> it's abbreviated as GSB but it means gold saras with Brahmin and Brahmin is the traditionally like um one of the higher castes so like in the spectrum right. of like castes i rank on the higher or to if it had to be a ranking <laughs> a rank on a higher side but like as far as like the applications that is into my daily life especially in a non-western country like i didn't know that term or like what caste was until well into like my teen like yeah like, when i became a teenager um and then once i learned about it there were contexts of like all desi contexts that i would hear it said in passing and like in a way that it almost it was as if someone was saying oh um they're from like west street you know yeah or they live on like it's it's oh that makes sense it's almost like a way to identify without the derogatory connotation but in the same way there is like that kind of like group thought of like labeling and stuff like that right it's it's almost like an unnecessary division yeah that just like further makes further complicates like the asian identity oh that's interesting and like it's i don't even know that it's unique to being indian or south asian like it could def- well be just the immigrant experience but right. like, i think it's like a complexity that doesn't often that people just don't often know about yeah i think that there it's really interesting because there are like even with my other friend I know in the Jewish culture mm-hmm. like there is like that sort of idea and I mean e- like I think you got at the core of it like with the immigration and like the immigrant story because like 
um, in the end, there is always going to be a dis- disconnect from, like, one's homeland. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, like, even my grandfather who came from Ireland, like, not that he is, like, disconnected from his culture at all, but, like, like in a way, he has to be, you know? And, like, right. there is, like, like he's... So his family, um, he's one of nine siblings mm-hmm. and five women and five and four men and him and the five women are in america Mm -hmm. and then the other men are in ireland and so like half my family lives in ireland and yet there is there like he came over when he was 16 right right and the there's um two twins that are women Mm -hmm. and they were three when he left so his first time coming back i'm not quite sure how old he was but let's just say like i don't know 24 to have enough money to come back you Mm -hmm. know like they met him for the first time, you know? And I just think that I kind of got a little off topic, but there's just, like, there's always going to be, like, that slight disconnect right. in order to, like, attempt to, like, gain a better life for you mm-hmm. and your family. Um, you need to somewhat leave, like, your other home behind. Right. Which is, like, so sad. It is. I, you know, like, I'll And always... that's why I think that the, like, the ethnic communities is so important, you Oh, know? yeah, going like, back to gentrification, absolutely. Like... Um, what's fascinating is like, like I'll always be grateful for those first people, that first generation to come. Right. Like my mom's generation, um, and like though my mom was a child, it was largely the parents or like my grandparents whose decision it was to come to the U.S. But mm-hmm. the battles that like my grandparents and that my mom had to get to, like it, it's fascinating how much like access to community makes a difference because like even within, even within my. Uh, my mother's family or like my yeah. grandparents family like there were three daughters my mom the oldest um and then two following and they were each three years apart about mm-hmm. and within their experiences you see the levels of like traditionalism in terms right. of like indian culture vary to a point that over time like the youngest sibling exerts the least amount of like traditional indian oh that's interesting perspective like yeah my my mom grew up very well expecting uh to marry an indian man which she did and uh to move on to have like a indian family in like a nice quiet suburb which you know not to make any assumptions or stereotypes but that was what my mom saw out of life which fell into like the traditional values of my grandparents whereas my aunts that followed saw themselves more as uh career oriented uh, family comes later and for my second aunt or the second oldest aunt that meant you know an Indian family came later after the yeah. career and for my uh the youngest aunt that meant that whatever family if it comes comes after the career yeah. and for her today that means being married to a white man and living happily from Long in, Island yeah living <laughs> it you know the funniest part is that we thought she was gonna marry like some suave spanish uh like she, she stepped, lived in spain she lived in spain yeah. for 15 years which also was like a huge step outside of like the traditional indian values of my grandparents and um funniest part is that she settled down with a cute little white man from long island <laughs> who i love dearly and they're my favorite people on earth but it's just so fascinating like how over time that changed so much yeah and that's really interesting that it's within a single family because right. like, you'll obviously see that pattern within any society like that's how an aging population right. and a demographic shift right, like yeah. works you know what i mean right. like and, and the, the idea that like um over time as children become less of an economic advantage then they become more of an economic disadvantage mm-hmm. through like um industrialization and so they're moved to cities again yes. and we connect it back and like the whole pattern and that's so that's um 
through the move to cities, there's, like, a higher increase in, like, career-oriented, like, being more career-oriented, right. which is, like, the exact... I don't want to get too much into it, no, but that's the right. exact thing that you see within your own family, which is super interesting that it happened within one generation. Oh, absolutely. And, like, we're talking, like, the span of, like, the three years difference between them, and, like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, like, what's... Like, I just recently... Um, so, Olivia and I are both in a class uh, where we're working on capstones, um, mm-hmm that have to encompass like which a, are like semester long research projects yeah, which, yeah research projects that have to deal with like a global issue or concern and um where my topic has it's been lgbt rights in lebanon and like just the larger or the greater middle east north africa region um i had a call recently with a professor that was doing research into how social media affects like the perceptions of homosexuality but what like i'm getting at is that he very clearly like said that um as economies grow over time there's a sentiment of what he calls redistribution and it pertains to things like even like as rights or like social redistribution so like in like, what like so in the context of like our call like for instance well more developed countries mm-hmm. were more are more willing to um accept homosexuality and in um allow those LGBT people to some human rights that otherwise, when they were less developed, were denied. Why, why do you, why did he say that it is? Like, what is that phenomenon? That's, and that's, like, what his or research is, is, like, why that might be. His mm, concept, it was really just that term of redistribution, yeah, which is yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that is fascinating, and I think that, um, you, I mean, you see the, the willingness to prioritize certain ideas, like human rights and environmental yeah. ideas, through, like, developed nations because they have you know the privilege to like to be able to focus and fight for those ideals which are mm-hmm. very inherent and should be in general human rights you know what mm-hmm. i mean but at when you like you know when you don't know when your next meal is when you're trying to feed your family as a yeah. child that i mean you can't necessarily be out picketing for human rights you know right. even though it's just as necessary so like right. you like you see those trends obviously due to the idea of you know privilege again right um so like with so we got kind of your background and stuff like that yeah um more going into indian culture mm-hmm. um you talk all the time about certain <laughs> words and certain foods and i'm just i'm so interested oh my god i'm so ignorant to like <laughs> literally eastern civilization yeah, which no. is so awful i know it really it really is but i just find it so fascinating because of my ignorance yeah, i don't no, know it's fun like i like i always kind of liked that like i had like this special little unique aspect of myself that i get to share with people and like one of the biggest things that's always been in my life has been food. <laughs> like, um, like my mom read to the class once when, uh, in third grade that like you could read like little children's books. She right. read, um, this, this story called one grain of rice, um, which is followed like a, uh, an Indian tale, but like, mm-hmm. it just like, it like opened up how like people's fascination with food would be cross cultural. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, there was always like one food and because of it like I, I always wanted to like I, w- I always wanted to like be able to be like a connoisseur of Indian food of sorts mm-hmm. and like part of that was <laughs> part of that was yeah, like you've I had like, to you've tried it's oh, not just being raised it's you've reached out and yeah. attempted to learn from it you know what oh, I mean yeah. and you have to put yourselves in like um we, like you have to put yourselves in context where you're trying new food so like for me that meant like 
making other like South Asian Desi friends and like trying their cuisines at different households and stuff like that and yeah and like bringing samosas to like class parties and potlucks and that Mm -hmm. and so the um what is that one word that you oh my goodness so it's like one of my favorites like a snack food and like oh I had to practice right it's pronounced bear <laughs> which like <laughs> which if you can't make out bear it's like a wait B- spell it out spell it out it's like a b h sound but followed by uh an r slash l sound yeah that, like is like your tongue on the roof of your mouth so it's up. funny because like it sounds like it's easy to say yeah like when you're saying it it's easy to say but then like pear like yeah. <laughs> but like and to me when i'm listening uh-huh. i don't sound that far off but i am i yeah. know i am you know yeah and so that's funny like when you say it's hard to say uh-huh. i I believe you, but at the same time, I'm like, is it? But then it, it totally is because it's just a completely different right, language. Right. And you know what the funniest part is? Is like I might never know how well I'm pronouncing it because at the end of the day, I can't tell if what I'm saying is right. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so do you want to talk a little bit about, um, I don't know, like Bollywood? <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm you know, it's yeah. a caricature, but I'm right. sorry. No, I like. Bollywood has always been that one thing in my life, and that, like, no, no, I I really, by the way, I love how that sentence started. (laughs) No, it really, it really, it really has been, like, the one, like, thing in my life that has been, like, my straight access to, like, Indian culture as raw as it comes. of course, of course. Because, like, I've just always had, had it in my life. What's funny is, like, my mom didn't grow up with it, but my dad loved Bollywood movies so much that when they got married, that was like the, like one of the things that they got close to was watching these yeah like from an American perspective like hokey Bollywood movies yeah and like that hokiness like the tropes the the like oh tropes the yeah like the constant like damsel in distress yeah, saved by yeah, this yeah. hokey goofy lovable Indian man who wanted nothing in the more in the world than to just make the girl happy like. It was just something to fall in love with. Um, do you think... No, I, I love and, that, but do you think in some way that that, per, like, perpetuates stereotypes? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, it's, like, it's actually, like, a cultural interest of, uh, in India that, like, the way that men in, like, you know, in every country, mm-hmm. like, media representation of people, especially minorities, is, like, a hot-button topic as, right. it, like, it leads to, like, a, you know, like, the society's greater... Uh, acceptance of it, but like the way women are per, uh, are portrayed in um, as like damsels and always in need of savior, yeah, um, is like very harmful for like Indian society because it reinforces that patriarchy and like it reinforces. It, do you think that the reinforcement of the patriarchy almost has an effect on like sexuality and like gender stereotypes as well? Oh yeah, it's um, you know it's fascinating, especially like in the capstone research and even just like the recent event of like decriminalizing homosexuality in Mm -hmm. India um is that like there's a lot of acknowledgement of the fact that like a really rigid patriarchy reinforce uh reinforces um like a value on masculinity in Mm -hmm. like in queer spaces like um Mm. it's it's quite sad actually because like even in like the most progressive um liberation movements it's always been on the forefront of those movements has been um like people who've otherwise been deemed effeminate or like less masculine by society like oh, you talk about stonewall like those are queer women of or men and women are just gender queer people of color um that were like because of their gender expression were otherwise marginalized in like the gay community oh wow that's interesting and then, like, this is a long tangent on like 
um, on, like, representation, but, like, especially, like, it, uh, one, one issue that's, like, permeated, like, mm-hmm. Bollywood, um, is, like, the per, how they per- portray, like, religious minorities in India. Oh, okay. Because while, uh, India's been, like, largely, um, ethnically homogenous, which is, uh, like, kind of interesting in itself, but, like, um, the one differentiating, uh, factor for a lot of the ethnic communities is religion, mm-hmm. and the most marginalized religion, I would say, is Islam in India, uh, which is a predominantly Hindu country, but whereas, like, Islam is, like, um, on the rise, though, um, yeah, and it's, it's kind of actually, like, a global movement, and, and Islam itself is, like, the largest growing, um, religion in the world, and it's so interesting how much the world has yet to understand about it. Right. I, yeah, yeah, for it's, sure. Like, yeah, especially coming in America where, like, it's kind of debatable, but where Islamophobia is almost on the rise. Yeah. It's, um, it just adds, like, a complexity to, like, the Indian identity that, like, I don't really go through because I've yeah. been raised predominantly, or I have been raised by two people who've, um, who are raised Hindu, whereas I'm pr- most, more or less non-religious, but secularly Hindu. Right. But a lot of my closest friends from from which, like, I get to experience Indian culture with, they're Muslim. Yeah. And, like, the um, Indian experience is totally different in so many ways um, when, whether you're from, like, a Hindu family, a Muslim family, a Christian family. Like, what's funny is, like, I live in a cul-de-sac. Um, just on my street, uh, there are six houses, and of the six houses, all of us are, oh, uh, all of us are Indian except for one house and they're Chinese but even in like the Indian households we're all from different regions of India oh wow that's um, we have, there's like a Christian Indian family um and we're all different ages and we came over to the country in different generational points and like as a community of like just our street where we have like our little potlucks and get-togethers it's there's diversity in that yeah and, and a lot of uh perspectives of that like of those get-togethers that would be outside of that street might not understand that it's diverse Mm -hmm. um you mentioned that like the whole ethnic diversity is Mm -hmm. a very interesting topic as well Mm -hmm. um does that have anything to do with the idea of whitewashing yeah um i would say for sure like i've um because i'm i'm fascinated with whitewashing i like i understand i understand (laughs) the the like the disparity behind it and everything I just think Mm. do you want to talk a little bit about it yeah I mean like South Asian culture has like always had like this issue of colorism where um there's been a favoring of like lighter or fairer skin and then um a post-colonial India too with like the desires to be in a way European as um as they were the more powerful more rich countries kind of has enveloped into like the social space as far as like whitewashing in terms of like our perceptions of beauty and like more Indian features that are like you know the sharper nose the dark hair the dark skin the um just like the so many all the characteristics that you know define like an Indian Mm -hmm. body (laughs) almost are like unwanted um, but whitewashing doesn't even go to that. Like, it, it extends to the social sphere and to, like, um, even into, like, Indian culture of, like, so, for instance, like, any, like, any sort of, like, movement associated with Western culture is given, like, that, uh, that label of being Western. So, like, the women's movement and, like, the Me Too movement oh, okay. as it extends to, like, other countries now, um, has given, like, this 
label of being Western and to the Do you point think that that's... But, okay, so you said that that there is a, there's a want to almost, like, be, like, like Anglo... Like, Anglo-Saxon. White, like, yeah, yeah, like, almost like that. Yeah. But you almost said the Western movements in, like, a negative light. Do you think that, like... Not in a negative light, but with a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Like, like, do you think that does contradict? Or do you think that supporting those movements um. also also is a is a is a positive for someone in India in like w- regarding standing social standing right you know that's like it's so complex because it's like it's tough to not acknowledge the fact that like whitewashing or like westernization is happening um honestly it what feels like everywhere but i i know that's kind of it's so general that like i could be wrong but like mhm I feel like the 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 hesitation towards like Western um, the hesitation towards like Western movements or concepts mm-hmm. is in a way like most people are blind to that fact mm-hmm. and might you know reinforce like Westernization without even realizing it. Interesting. Um, wow, <laughs> that is super interesting. Um, it was super awesome to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I love today's talk. I love talking to you about um, your two passions. Yeah. No, Gentrification really and Indian culture. They really are. Um, and we didn't get to affirmative action, but mm-hmm. maybe, maybe another, another time. time. Yeah. Another time. Um, but yeah, so um, thanks everybody for listening and tune in next time. Um, we have some fun ideas planned and in store. There's so many different people, so many different passions, and so many different, like, um, people within our generation, and the reason why I kind of, even with the name, you know what I mean? Like, I already explained how it's informal and contradictory to the idea of, like, the different, like, um, levels of the things that we're talking about, but I, and how that applies to youth, but, like, in the same way, I think that it's super important to, like, show and prove how, um, even though, even if we're talking about things on the surface, you know, people, like, spend their entire lives attempting to understand whitewashing or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even if we're just speaking on things on the surface at least we're speaking about it and Mm -hmm. at least you know there's a way there's something to say about sharing it and i think that that's something that um gen z has going for us (laughs) um so i just kind of want to um you know support that so thank you everybody for listening and um tune in next week